0: Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for The Magicians Business Group, and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode.
1: Hello and welcome to 2021 with the Successful Mentalist podcast. That's right, it's season two of these podcasts, and a brand new year means it's episode three today. Now, at the beginning of the year, we spoke about the most relevant topic we could talk about in this time Goal setting. Go listen back to that if you haven't. Amazing, amazing advice shared in that. We then spoke about online shows and interesting ways in which you can improve your online shows. Some of the things which you guys probably hadn't thought of before listening to that episode. And now, close-up sets. Some really fascinating ways which we can talk about improving close-up sets. Now, as always, my name is Ashley Green. I don't know why I say, as always, my name is Ashley Green. It's not going to change, is it? But one thing that is for certain, I'm joined by the fantastic co-host that is Aidan O'Sullivan.
0: Oh, we need to switch names. We need to switch names or just change them for an episode. We'll be different characters for a, for a change.
1: Well, now you've said it, it's spoiled the surprise. We ain't going to come on April Fool's Day and be like, oh, Heidi, I'm Aidan O'Sullivan. People be like, yeah, no, we know that was going to come. So you've ruined that, mate. It's never going to happen now. Or is it? <laughs> anyway... <laughs> We were talking down a business down. We were talking about um, how to improve close upsets. And um, we, we always discuss these podcasts before recording them. And um, and you actually said something really interesting to me, a, a very interesting process in which people can go about to, to really think and get clear um, on how they can improve. Can you run us through that and elaborate on what you was talking to me about?
0: I think a really sort of interesting again I'm going to just say this from the get-go I don't actively do this every time I'm writing close-up sets but a really sort of interesting process that I've partially used is actually going back to sort of the primary school level of of interest and actually getting clear on the the who the what the why the when the where the how and being able to look at all of these questions in relation to sort of our close-up material and our close-up sets and being able to to explore them and I think that gives a really sort of holistic overview of everything that we can look at and consider so I do want to spend the rest of this episode going into sort of the questions and and areas that we can look at each of these sort of six key points if you like um in term in relation to our close-up sets and I, I don't want to do it in that order I want to do them in a slightly different order but really they're the the five whys and the how is what we're going to consider and I, I would strongly urge you start doing this even just a few of these questions as we go along but Ashley I want to start with the what okay so the what of close-up performing what can we do to make our close-up performances better now there is a thing that I really enjoy doing first of all and I do this all the time this is perhaps for long time again for long-time listeners you guys kind of know that me and Ashley's material is incredibly simple and it's it's very versatile in the sense that the material, although it's sort of really powerful, it can, it can still happen in a million different ways. It's so versatile. So the what for me tends to be, how can I make this more of a, a visible spectacle? And again, we get this an awful lot in mentalism. The mentalism is boring because it's not visual. Magic is visual, but mentalism isn't. And it's just writing stuff down and like complete lies. Mentalism can be the most visual thing and it, you're only limited by your own creation there. So that's a question that I like to ask myself is, what can I do to make this this routine more visibly impactful, if that's a word? But what, what sort of things do you, would you, what sort of what questions would you ask, Ashley?
1: I think for me, it's um, what can I do to make myself more of like that people walk into like a classic example where I do most of my closer performances, Houdini's Magic Bar, the close-up. I'm always there, doing close-up. So if we use that as my example, just a bit easier for you guys to understand. What can I do to make myself more of like that special person so when people walk in, they go, oh my God, he's going to read my mind. Now there's a specific thing I can aim on, right? Because that's something I'm thinking about because I no longer want to just be, oh yeah, I'm just a mind reader doing stuff. I want people, as soon as they enter, they go, oh, something feels weird. Imagine that. What can you do to make someone feel feel something the moment they walk into the venue where you're performing that's what i want to do
0: that's brilliant these these are the kind of questions that you can sort of ask yourself and it's going to be different for different people for example my what's are going to be completely different to ashley's what's but the reality of the situation is that by asking these questions and giving ourselves these answers we're actually going to be able to improve our material because we now have something to go along Um, For the next sort of question, I'm surprised that we haven't actually covered this first, but especially the long term listeners. Why? Why do you want to improve your close up material? And we talk about this a lot. We talk a lot about sort of why getting an intention, getting that purpose so that you can really commit to being the best version of yourself, doing the best within your shows and being a better performer. But why should we do it in the first place?
1: Well, this, this does link into something I said yesterday. I mean, <laughs> yesterday, last week, sorry. This links into something I said last week on the podcast. Like, you stop being an artist the moment, you start thinking, yeah, it's good enough, and you stop that need for improvement. So, I mean, that answers your question, but, like, why should we improve? Well, I always want to grow. Like, I don't think there's another answer to that. It's like, I always want to grow. I always want to do something more interesting, and I want to keep myself interested in the art that I'm doing. And and this is something that I touched on again last week, and I said it at a brief point at the end. Like, if you're not doing better, you're not going further. And for example, me and my close up sets, like I'm just doing the same stuff I was doing last year. And like we've identified that what as I want people to go for a weird experience the moment they walk into the venue. Why do I want to do that? Because it's hella cool than anything I was doing last year, and that means I'm going to have more fun, right? And if I'm having more fun, better experience for everyone. Does that answer your question? Because that's honestly what I feel like when I think about it.
0: No, so it's really important. That's a great answer to the question. But by getting clear on the why, you can actually stack up your intrinsic motivation, which is the motivation that comes from inside yourself. And we've spoken about this in YouTube and blogs and all these other places. We'll link some of them in the show notes. So do make sure that you have a, have a little check of those. But Being able to understand that why from an internal perspective means that you're going to be able to go and do the best that you possibly can and be a better performer and show up more because it's something that you really, really believe in. Um, In addition to that, you've mentioned that it's going to have the knock on effects for your audience, which, again, is another fantastic point. And for those that haven't really got too much sort of knowledge in this area of why's, I would strongly urge that you jump back to episode three of the podcast, in which we quite simply ask the questions of why mentalism or why magic and actually getting clear on that purpose and that why. But a really useful exercise for some people, if you've worked in marketing or sales or goal setting, like it comes up a lot in there. But being able to ask yourself the five whys, so the five whys. And it's quite simply, you set a target, you set a goal and you ask yourself why. So, for example, uh, I want to improve my close up sets. Why? So that I can deliver a better performance to my audience. Why? So that my impact or my presence can really change the atmosphere of the events that I perform at uh, in a positive way why and I'm not going to go through the entire chain this is a terrible example so you'll need to get clearer and more specific on that but the idea is quite simply that you ask yourself why five times and when you get to the absolute core you should be able to understand a little bit more about sort of the direction that you want to head in and also all of the reasons and all of the dominoes that you're going to knock over as a result of that but that's a really good sort of exercise if you want to get clear on the why or you haven't had a chance to sort of visit that just yet so the third W in this process is actually the who and by who we kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of the five whys. But who is it going to impact when you improve your close up sets? Well, the immediate obvious answer as actually just mentioned is it's going to improve yourself because you're going to be striving for something bigger and better and you're going to become a better person because you're trying to show up better and become the best performer that you can and you're doing that by exploring your material and and really delving deep into what makes a good close-up performers but Ashley who what who questions could we ask Hmm,
1: that's a good one who well for me I think the who for that is who do I want talking about my stuff who do I want doing all this stuff like who do i want to like remember me like i think for most people like we've said before like and and for you aiden i guess it might be like the venue and the people booking you but for me i want the specific who to be those people who i've directly performed to i want them to go away and tell the stories about me Yeah, it's nice and like that's in the back of my mind about like I can get referrals if like venues are talking about me and the event book is talking about me. But what I really want is I want the people that I actually perform to to go away and say, I witnessed this. This guy predicted my future. My who is those people specifically, the ones that are either watching my videos or the ones that I'm directly performing to
0: brilliant i mean you touched on something there that's really important and it's it is that what is the where are those dominoes like we set off the domino chain by improving our close-up set now and we do this thing which means that this thing happens and then this next bigger thing happens and what we're actually talking about here in terms of the who is actually that, that domino that's five six seven ten dominoes out in the chain for lack of a better metaphor obviously but for me like I really want to make an impact when I'm at a venue. I really want to make an impact with the venue as you mentioned because I have incredibly good relationships with the venues that I work with and that's a, a conscious decision and also a decision that's kind of just naturally come around and what happens when I get to really make an impact on the venue and the venue staff is that the venue become my like they've become my sales my agents if you like because for wedding venues in particular, they're going to be happy to put you in front of bride's grooms and couples or that are really sort of looking for entertainment. They're more likely to recommend you if they like you than if not. But at the same time, it just means that I've got an opportunity to talk to people who know a very, very, very large sort of Group of people. They know other suppliers. They probably already know other magicians and other mentalists. So I can contact them about teaming up and doing shows together and all that kind of stuff. But I can also start to work out who do they know from their client base. For example, I can I can say that I'm really looking to actually, and again, this is something that I'm looking to do this year. I'm looking to do a, sort of some psychology research in terms of actually what's going on in the brain whilst magic tricks are happening. And I can have this conversation with them and they might be able to say, oh, my gosh, I literally had a, a neuroscientist get married here a few weeks back. Like, let me put you in touch. And again, I know that's a really stretched, specific niche idea. But in simply answering the question of who do I want to benefit, I've determined that the venue I need to the venue to benefit from my performances for various reasons so that I can sort of reap the rewards from that. So hopefully that gives a couple of thinking points in terms of the who, but I want to jump to perhaps more of the the fun stuff right now in terms of the how. How are we actually going to make our performances better? So Ashley, are there any things that you actively think about or do that I'll allow you to make your your close-up performances better when you're reviewing your material. Yes, all the time.
1: Uh, One of the things which is currently on my mind is how can I still perform and how can I still engage and how can I, I do things which are interesting to people whilst I'm not there? Because think about this as well. Like from what I said a moment ago, who do I want to affect them? Like I want them talking about me. Like they've witnessed something crazy. That is going to be something crazy like what can i do there in that moment where i can just walk away and and they still be entertained and i'm thinking about like um interactive things which they can do and then like i ask them i'm going to leave this here walk away you guys come up with like a random drawing between you then open up my envelope and then it's predicted or something like that but and which i've done in the past and it's gone down a storm like I'm entertaining people whilst I'm not even there. So this is one of the things which I'm currently thinking of to like how I can actually actually do that. And it's got multiple other benefits. As you know, Aiden. I can entertain multiple tables at once, which is just fantastic. But, but this is just one specific thing that I'm looking at. How can I entertain people when I'm not there? What else can I do?
0: Brilliant, brilliant. I want to distinguish for some people listening, they might not... Fully understand where we're going here in terms of the difference between the what and the how, but I would argue that the what is, from a layperson's perspective, what are they experiencing? Think more the experience when you are answering the what, but whereas the hows, they're the specific, insider knowledge things that we can do. That and that could be things like, making your methods ten times harder just so that you get that 1% impact or maybe making something 10 times simpler so that you can actually stretch and go further like maybe you've got this incredible routine with a deck of cards that any freely named card is the one reversed in the deck and you do that by a gimmickless approach and you do a piece of sleight of hand to make that happen well maybe what you should do there is actually simplify it right down bring out an invisible deck that we all know and to give that invisible deck to somebody at the start of the evening or or stick it in an impossible location like in the ceiling rafters or something so that it then becomes a visual spectacle climbing up to pull the deck of cards down to give to somebody and then open so all of these kind of little things can really help and again we did a deep dive about this in our christmas special for our all about the tricks um sadly this one wasn't actually um recorded for retail but The idea here was that we actually make and break magic. We make it something of a spectacle and then break it down to the simplest possible parts just to see where we can actually improve our material in that sense. So really exploring the material from the materials perspective here is sort of in the how range. But again, by all means, ask yourself five or six how questions. How can I make this routine better? How can I get more people talking about this routine? How can I have the entire room fall dead silent whilst I do the reveal of this card trick?
1: Hi guys, it's Ashley here. I just want to quickly interrupt this podcast just to say one little thing. If you do enjoy the podcast that we are currently putting out at The Successful Mentalist, do us a favour and make sure to subscribe. It will honestly help us out. It will mean the world. It will help with our stats and rankings, which mean that we're then shown to more magicians and mentalists around the world. And we want to try and help as many people as possible with these podcasts. So honestly, if you could subscribe, it would mean the absolute world to us. Anyway, back to the podcast.
0: All these kind of things apply, but that's it. We're we're already four into the six. So I want to jump now into where, where can you improve your material? And I'm not talking the material itself. I'm not talking about what it looks like. I'm not talking about the narrative flow of your close-up set. I am literally talking about where are you performing it. Ashley, have you got any thoughts about where and location?
1: Yeah, so where? Um, obviously, <laughs> the venue is going to stay the same for me. But where I'm performing, like, this is one thing I see a lot of magicians do, where they will perform at one table, and then they go to the next, and the next, and the next, and the next, and the next. Now, something I started playing with last year was really performing in the middle of tables. So like I was bouncing two tables off together. So we, I was like, instead of like where at that table, I was now in the middle. And and I really had some good feedback from that. And and I really want to start playing with that a little bit more. So I want to like start standing more in the middle of the room because imagine this, like if you do a close-up set, (laughs) <laughs> You're performing to one table, but like everyone's involved now. It's like a stage routine, which, if you heard, like last time, like I mentioned I, I want to be doing a tour of Aden, but I'm doing a close up set here, but I'm doing it on everyone, which is really weird and really different. But it's a real great experience because the reason why I've been thinking about that and the feedback I got from last year was. After I finish it, like, conversation booms. Everyone's talking to one another. And I really want to play off that a little bit more. And I want to get away from the just performing to that table and then "Then just performing to that table. I want to start bringing different people, different groups together more because after I leave, it affects them and then it ticks off everything I've said afterwards. I mean, heck. It ticks what I said a moment ago, doesn't it, about me leaving and them still being entertained? But this time, I'm I'm actually distanced myself. They're entertaining each other with newfound friends, so that's that's something that I'm considering.
0: That's a really good example, actually. I, I really really enjoyed that. Um, for me, there's a the distinction that I'm making is I am actually trying to move away a little bit from the close up sets, but for close up gigs, I'm trying to take it in a slightly different route because I'm not completely saying no. Instead, what I'm going to be trying to do is actually trying to make a, a spectacle again by this positioning, by either having sort of a designated area that I'm, I'm stationed in or I'm performing in. For example, I was last year I was at a Peaky Blinders themed party, which was fantastic. It was actually at a, a local wedding venue that I've got really good relationships with. So again, if you're not convinced by the who when working with relationships, this is direct <laughs> evidence for that. But what I said to them is that I appreciate that this is a, a really big event. You've got an awful lot of different things going on in terms of the entertainment. So I would really want to try this. Give me a space and that will be my performance space. We'll promote it and point people up there. But I want this this space to be sort of my area. And this is where people come to see the magic. And in this case, it was actually upstairs on a balcony, which was fantastic because I got the view of the entire room, the dance floor people, all the other entertainment going on. But I was also upstairs in my own little area that people could come up out of the way and sit or stand with me and actually experience something because they've had to come up the stairs to come and find me. I know they're interested and they're committed so that's actually something as well that's really interesting in terms of the positioning. But in sort of cocktail party approaches, like sometimes that's not an option. You can't just be fixed in one area and you have to move around people. Well, if you've got to move around people, why don't people move around you? And you say to people, like, I really want to show you something, but there's, a, there's lots of people around. Can you come with me? And you either take them to a quiet corner of the room or or outside or a different room completely out of the way of everybody else. And suddenly they're gonna buy into it because remember, you've bought more of their time and their engagement, and they're really in it with you. They've if they've come through a corridor down to his empty spare room or into a into a, a back room or the coat room or whatever the case may be, just to watch a magic trick, chances are they're gonna remember it more because it's a better story for them. And again, you turn it into that moment. So again, the where is kind of taking control of your environment, but again if you want to keep it surface level and ask yourself, where can I improve my set in terms of the the narrative and the flow you've got, by all means do that. But really take a moment to think about your positioning and your environment. The final question in this saga, if you like, is actually the when. The when. When should you improve your material in terms of when should you perform it? So Ashley, I know you've got some really interesting thoughts on this. When do you perform close up?
1: For a moment then, I thought you was going to say, when should you take action? I was going to go, now, take action now. And then you've changed it into a different direction. I was like, oh, there, there's, there's my advice gone. <laughs> but but yes, um, when should you perform it? Now, when a lot of uh, magicians and mind readers and mentalists, uh, us wedding entertainers, whenever we go out there and start doing weddings, what's the one thing we do right at the very start? Ooh. When is the best time to perform, so what do we do? We look on someone else's website and we go oh they they do uh they do the stuff in the evening where the discos on they've got loads of people there yeah, it'll be a good close up gig. I bloody hate that because you've got the disco blaring you've got loads of people there having drinks trying to trying to dance, trying to do all this stuff, trying to say hi to people, and then there's me like oh oh, do you want to oh d- can i can I just oh oh doesn't work for me so when should i do it i have clients come to me and they say yeah can you can you entertain when all the guests are here and i go no you don't you don't want me then here's why what i'm better suited at is doing it earlier on the day i'd much rather when i'm doing a gig find somewhere where it's convenient and actually suits what i'm doing for me I'm creating a real moment with people. And to do that, I've got to be able to talk to them. I'm not a flashy magician that can just do crazy stuff and doesn't need to say, like, I've got to talk to them. I've got to deliver my stories, the things that I say, the information. I've got to read their minds for heck's sake. And that involves talking to them. So I want to find that moment in the gig, that moment in the thing, the, the where I'm performing, like where I know the timings are going to be suitable. For example, at a wedding, just after they've got married, at the reception, where everyone's waiting, there's photos being taken, it's a typical moment where people were just kind of, they come out, they're not too drunk, and they're just like, oh, what do we do? And they don't know everyone yet, so they're still quite quiet. And that's where I can come in and really do my thing. That's where I excel. And I think it's niching down, because some people listen to this, Aidan, they they might be the opposite, right? They might They might really benefit from performing... When there's loud music, when there's lots of people that are shouting and and all of this, but it's getting clear on everything and then finding the suitable moment to actually do it based on everything you're going to be doing, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, completely. That's some really, really valuable points there. I actually don't think I've got anything uh, in addition to add to that. But it's really important to niche down and get clear on when do you want to perform Because when you know that and you you play around with this, do some different iterations, try performing at both of those different times when there's loud music and quiet music. And again, if there's loud music and you're booked and there's loud music, remember, you can use your where. Move them somewhere completely different. Move them to a different room. Move them outside where it's quiet. Um, But these are kind of all six big questions that you can ask yourself, not only when you're developing new material, but also whilst you're performing it. Like when you get to a gig, how many times have you got to a gig? And here's a good one for you, Ashley. How many times have you got to a gig and something is completely different to what was said or what was arranged? Or And by completely different, for me, I've turned up and been told that I'm the only entertainer. Well, there was a fire breather and a disco on at the same time that I was performing. How was I supposed to know that that was the case? And how am I supposed to compete with somebody who was blowing fireballs out of his face?
1: I can tell you a better story than that. One of our mutual friends, Aidan, turned up at a gig and he had a midget stripper, didn't he?
0: (laughs) I did forget about that. That is very, very true. And if you're listening to this episode, um, yes, we remember... Um, but this is it. Like these are some crazy instances, and when you get faced with those, a lot of entertainers go into panic mode or overdrive, or they, or the worst thing that you can do. And I, I know, like professional performers that go and do this, they go and complain. Do not complain at the event about this stuff unless it is severely damaging to your act and your performance. And by severe, I mean. You're you cannot what why, who, how, where, or when your way out of it. If it you absolutely cannot perform under the circumstances, then go and have that conversation. But until you can't do anything at all, you cannot complain at your client. Because this is stuff that you should have asked and got clearer on ahead of time. You should have checked this the day before the gig or the week before the gig and been completely clear. But the the point we're making here is that if you can start asking these questions, and they're easy to remember, we learned them in primary school. The five Y or the five W's and the how. Here's me telling you that they're easy to remember and I can't remember them myself. Um but you can answer these on the fly and really actually make your performance better. Like I do it mid-performance. I think what can I do to make this even more of a spectacle? And then I just do it, give it a go. If it flops, it flops. If it works, it works. But This is a really sort of useful tool, I would argue, when developing that material. But just for a complete recap of everything that we've discussed, we started with what? Understanding what do we want to have change by improving our close up material? We then spoke about why. Understanding why we want to improve that material and getting completely clear so that we're not just making unnecessary changes because it's a new year, new me or because the TSM guys told you so. Instead, get clear on that. We then jumped to the who. Who is it going to impact or who is going to be different as a result of you changing your material? Or who do you want to impact or all of those questions, getting clear on who is going to get affected by you changing and improving your material. We then spoke about how, so the specific actions that you can take as a performer to be able to make these better, whether that's changing or simplifying methods or just doing something completely different, a completely new trick instead. From there, we then discussed the where in terms of positioning actually at gigs, how do you interact with people? Ashley gave his beautiful example of actually performing for an entire room or multiple tables whilst also doing close up. But again, you could just move people to a safer space or a a better space for your performances. And then finally, we've discussed when. Understanding when is the best time for you to perform and finding out what you're good at. And if you can follow that entire process, there is absolutely no way on earth that you cannot kick ass for these close up sets. You You can't not because you know everything. Yeah, so there's some
1: fantastic points, and I really hope you guys can take this and actually, like, improve your stuff. And I don't want you to come to the end of the episode and think, uh, yeah, I've got all the answers now. I can I can just prove it, improve it from there. Like, really think about it. Take the time out of your day to really sit down, knuckle down, and really think about each one of those points and, and how it applies to you and, and what you can do. And like I say, I would love to hear some of the success stories from you and how you've been able to change things around. Obviously, last week we spoke about online shows, Today, we spoke about close-up, and next week, we're going to be speaking about one of the topics that Aiden's most passionate about, stage shows, how to improve those. But like I said last week, I was talking about how to improve online shows, and, you know, we're at TSM. (laughs) We we just... I think we're mad, Aiden, because we always give stuff away for free. Tomorrow, we have a whole convention for free. It's free to attend, and we're telling you everything, the entire process, stripped down, easy to understand how to do online shows. It's how to master online shows, completely free to attend. It's tomorrow, all day. Do check that out. You'll see about it. It will be posted on like the Instagram. You'll see it on the Instagram. You'll probably see it in the stories. You'll see it on the Facebook. And really, if you check out the successfulmentalist.com, that will direct you to where you need to go to make sure that you can register to actually attend our convention live, the first ever TSM convention, and it's free. As always, if you do enjoy this advice, guys, which we're sharing today, do let us know. We'll see you tomorrow at the convention. Uh, but also make sure to subscribe and do check out the blog, Aiden's Killing It, on the website. And check out the TSM YouTube. as a video every single week. So we'll see you soon, guys. Stay safe. Take care. And register for that free convention tomorrow. We'll see you soon.
0: Number two is to take our new quiz. It'll help you find the biggest opportunity in your entertainment business right now. And in just a few quick questions, you'll be presented with a seven-minute breakdown of your biggest opportunity and how you can actually go about tackling that to help increase your entertainment business and boost it completely. In order to take the quiz, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. And we'll be able to get you your results. Number three, Momentum. If you'd like to make an extra two grand a month in Magic without paying a penny for advertising, we'd love to help you. Our latest coaching program, Momentum, is designed to get you booking gigs every single week for at least £500 so that you can be growing your entertainment business without having to worry about websites or business cards or advertising or any of that kind of stuff. To find out more, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum, and we'll send you all of the details.